0: My dear sister, thank you very much for this biblically biblically grounded, meaningful, spirit-filled prayer. I was just rejoicing in my heart as you were praying. And the answer is amen, amen. Dear brothers and sisters, let us open God's infallible, inspired, inerrant, invincible, sufficient, and efficient word in the book of Matthew chapter four, verse 12 to 17. And um, I'm not going to apologize, but just for you to know, English has been the fourth language I have to get acquainted with. Therefore, you know English better than I do. And i feel very at home. Uh, But let us open God's word in Matthew four, 12 to 17. And I'm going to say something for the kids immediately, because I have 10 grandchildren and the 11th one is coming and one great grandchild. And then for you all, kids, let me tell you this. I don't know how you react when you heard the bad news, you lost it, for you probably would be lost it, toy, whatever it is, but I would like you to keep um, your eyes and your ears in what we're going to study this morning in this 25 or 30 minutes because I hope and pray all of you little kids that when we come to the end you will be able to know why you were born why you were born in the place where you were born why are you where you are what for you have been born? And what should you do with your lives? Even as a child, even as a children. Then, therefore, let us read God's word. And I'm going to read in slow motion. Okay, kids? Now just go with me. I'm going to read in slow motion. The Bible is to be read in slow motion. Seeing what you read. Feeling, savoring it. Thinking, praying through it. Because we miss it when we don't read the Bible this way. Now, Jesus is 30 years old. Now, had been baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. Had been tempted for 40 days. And now he's going to start his public ministry. Kids, let me tell you, by the way, still to ducks for the kids here. We don't know much about when Jesus was a little baby, but we know a lot about when Jesus was a little baby, but we don't know much about between 12 years and 30 years old. But one thing we know, the Bible says that he was someone filled with a spirit. The Bible says that he could, at 12 years old, he could talk about the Bible and about his father with people. And the Bible says that he grew up in the grace of God. And everybody could see that he was growing in grace and in favor between God and people. And I hope that you take it from Jesus, kids, to grow like Jesus. And I can, I believe that as a young man, he was an outstanding uh, young man as the oldest in the house. Now, let us go to the reading of God's word. Listen to this. Now... When he heard, that's Jesus, after 40 days being tempted by the devil. When he heard that John, that's John the Baptist, his cousin, had been arrested, put in prison. Can you see it? He heard. His cousin is in prison. The one who was announcing him prepared the way for him. You know what Jesus did? He withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, the place he grew up now. At that moment, he decided that's my time to leave Nazareth and go to Galilee. He went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. Kids, later ask your father and mama to show the map and to show the place, a picture of the place. In the territory of Zebulun. And Naphtali, since the division of the lands in the Old Testament. So that what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled. The text that we have the scripture reading for today. And I hope and pray that you all have realized that the scripture reading for today showed that that what I'm going to read from Isaiah Part of that story was the announcement of the one who would come to rule the prince. And this is the, the beginning of Jesus' preaching. By the way, now listen to this. And the Bible says this. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. I hope you look at map. The way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Oh, a lot of people there, Gentiles. Lost people. The people dwell in darkness. The people here is also a reference to. It's another word here for the Jewish people. Many people don't get it. But it is. The people dwell in darkness. Have you seen a great light. And for those dwell in the region. And shadow of death. On them a light has dawned. And from that time. Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the king of heaven is at hand. This is verse 7 that you read in Isaiah. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the king came. The king is here. Now, we are going to meditate for these next 15 minutes, more or less, on this particular passage in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And kids, remember, I hope that at the end, you're going to take to dad and mom, Now I know why I was born, where I was born, at the time that I was born. I know what for I'm here. And I know what I should be doing. Now, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you have your Bibles open, I generally don't preach three points, just for you to know. But sometimes you cannot help. So I don't go for people that say three-point three sermons. I say, how are we going to put three points on the Ten Commandments, for example? You don't. <laughs> but and by, even those who preach three points, as for you, this is a footnote, even those who preach three points, they have my three more points for each point then. But this one here, I'm going to divide in three questions for the kids as well to remember. Three questions. You, I read the passage. There are three Questions that I would like to leave with you this morning. The first question is, why did Jesus leave Nazareth? This is all about geography here, my friend. It's about Jesus' geography. Jesus moves. And it's all about our geography and our moves. Why did Jesus leave Nazareth? The question why in English, as far as I know, means because. You want the, the because. That's the first question. Why did Jesus leave Nazareth? And the Bible says that he left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum. And the question comes, what for did Jesus dwell in Capernaum? This is my second question. What for did he dwell in Capernaum? And my third and final question for this morning is this. What did Jesus go about doing in this place? The Bible is filled with reference to geography, not only to show that the Bible is a historical book, because it talks about places and time, but to show that every place, every place mentioned in the Bible has to do with redemptive history. Redemptive history, all our moves. All the place we are, all the place that people are have to do with redemptive history, in other words, with the concern and the and the plan of God to reach out people wherever they are, wherever they go, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the first question here is: this why did Jesus leave Nazareth? Now the answer. Seems very simple when they read in the text like that. And because the kids come, when the kids come, they, all of the kids, all our grandchildren live close by in the same city where we are. But they come and they know after meal, dad, grandpa is going to open the Bible and keep in reading and asking questions. And sometimes I ask questions after reading the Bible is, and they look at me and say, what kind of question is that, grandpa? It's so clear. But it's not And I'm going to show you this. If you ask the question here, why did Jesus leave Nazareth? Why? And look, the answer is right in the first verse. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and, leaving Nazareth, he went to live in Capernaum. No words. The answer of Doctor Mendez, you say, can't you see? He left Nazareth. Nazareth. Because he heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, who was announced him, now was in prison. You know, look, for some way or another, he realized that uh, what seems to be a natural cause moved Jesus to start his ministry. If you say that Jesus left Nazareth because he heard that the one who was... presenting him to the world, was in prison, I would say this, you really have a correct answer. But this is an incomplete answer. Let me tell you, if your answer for anything that happened in your life is based on what what seems to be a natural cause, you miss. You are just looking things from Man's perspective, for the circumstances' perspectives, the Bible wants you and me and all of us in every circumstance of life, even the pandemic circumstance, to look at things from the divine side. Therefore, when, when you ask the question, if I would ask the question to each one of you, why are you where you are? You can give me all the natural causes. I uh, that was the best plate I found. I had money for that. You can give all. But my friend, you are not there because of that, narrow, that those natural cause. Those natural cause have been determined by God for you to be there. You are there because God put you there. And right now you are here. By the way, I'm screaming. I'm not mad at you. But I grew up preaching the streets of Brazil and in the jungle as well. Why are you all here? You can give all the natural cause. No, my friend. You are here because God brought you here. God led you here. God brought you here. In such a way that you're going to see that what sometimes we call natural causes are the most extraordinary causes. Because they are in God's provision, in God's decree. Romans says this. Everything works together for the good of those who love the Lord. And it's not that something happened to you and suddenly God said, oops, I didn't know it was going to happen to him. Let let me do something. No, my friend, nothing. John is in prison. The guy who put him in prison is a mean guy. He's a sinful man. And Jesus understood that's my time to start. And not only that, but that was not the main cause. Matthew gives you the real cause here. The divine reason why. And the reason is in verse 14. So that Jesus moved, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Every move of Jesus had been determined by God. And by the way, remember... And I'm going to show you also in the application that all of us, we don't think about it, but all of us, all our moves, our geographies, or our migrations are led and caused by God for his purpose. And we're going to see about it. Remember, remember, kids, when you study Luke chapter 2, when you go for the birth of Jesus, kids, do you remember where Joseph and Mary were living in Nazareth? In the north part of the country, and Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Do you think that Joseph and Mary came one day said, Joseph said, Mary, this baby has to be born in Bethlehem? It's prophesied. Then let us go down. No, my friend, they were not even thinking probably about that. And then suddenly an the emperor, far away from there, make a decree for people to move. And then if you ask Joseph and Mary, Joseph and Mary, why are you going down to Bethlehem? Because there is a decree of the emperor. My friend, this is a correct answer, but incomplete. God is moving everything, and these people are moving down to Bethlehem. He was supposed to go to Egypt, and suddenly that bad, evil, Herod, Herod the king, the great, tried to kill Jesus, and he had to move to My dear friends, including the little ones, you are not where you are because of natural cause. God put you there. Don't let us not waste our geography, dear brothers and sisters. Let us not waste our geography. Let us look from God's perspective Why are you where you are? Why am I here in this neighborhood? I could tell you the natural cause. When I began to teach at the seminary, Dr. Kistenmacher, Simon Kistenmacher was the owner of that house. He was getting, after a while, working here with him at the seminary. He said, Elias, I'm leaving. I'm going to retire, go to Orlando. Would you like to buy my house? I said, of course. The house with four beds. We have three kids. We bought it. Said, so "Why did you buy that house?" Because Doctor Kistemaker was leaving, and then he came and offered that to me. my friend. This is a natural cause. No, I'm here. This is the means that God used for me to be here. So that that's so that's the second part of it for you to understand your moves. Whatever you are, you go to the supermarket tomorrow. You have the reasons why. But I hope that you are going to go to the complete answer. Don't just go there to buy food. Go and look for people as well. Or pray to the Lord to give an opportunity. Whatever you want. Because he guides our geography. Oh, I could go so much on this particular first point. I should go to Joseph when they sold him in Egypt. Sold him as a slave. And in 42, he, 45, he meets his brothers, all of them, and says, you sold me, but God sent me. You see, if you would say, Joseph, why are you in Egypt? He said twice, because you all sold me as a slave. But remember, God sent me. And you don't have time, but you can go later on Psalm 105 and has the holy story how God even brought the famine. So that what he promised to Abraham could be fulfilled. My friends, we have a God who rules over every detail of the universe. And of our personal lives. And of our churches. Please don't despair. Please don't despair. You know, I'm not going to say that I'm sick and tired. I'm not sick and I'm not tired. Ah. Uh, but how many times I have, I have heard here from the news, something like that. The devil is in the details. This is nonsense. The one who is in the details is God in every detail, in every inch of our lives, in every second. The devil is general. Look how he tempted Adam and Eve. Even God put in a place with some neighbors. And these are the names that God put by me. And they don't even know. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters. I hope that you keep studying these scriptures. Remember Esther. Oh, how Esther came to that point. I didn't know why she became a queen. Till the day. Till the day. By the way, I'm going to challenge you all to keep learning how to live in this world in the context of God's redemptive plan in which our geography is guided and led by him. And all the things that seem natural cause, you can see, they're very natural, it seems, but God has a purpose. Nothing goes by chance in this world led by him. The Bible really teaches you that our geography, our time, our place of birth, our migration have been determined by God with a purpose. And I'm going to just read it to you all so that you can rejoice with this. I know my time is running. And if I finish just in one point, I'll finish it. By the way, just for you to know, I, I preach on average of six to seven hours via Zoom during the week to Brazil. But, yeah, six to seven hours via Zoom. To Brazil. But. Let me. Just read to you a text. Of the Bible. You go to Acts chapter 17. By the way. If I cannot finish the whole. I'm going to finish this first point. Give an illustration. And just mention the other two. If it was a super Bowl, It could, could stay to three hours here. Unfortunately. I have to learn a little bit more about worship as well. Let me read to you just so that you rejoice. Hey, kids, are you with me? Let me read to you what Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 28. Let me read to you. Then now Paul is speaking to the Stoics and Epicureans, pagan people and philosophers. And he says this in the midst of that on the Areopagus there. He says this. And he, referring to God, that these people don't know, was the God of Paul. And our God says, and he, God, has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Did you remember when Jesus, when God created man and woman said that they're going to be spread all over the earth? And who's going to make that move? God. And using all what you call natural cause, you're just going around. From one man, Adam and Eve. That's the point here. And now listen to us. Listen to what comes next. And God has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Whoa! God determined beforehand where I should be born and when I should be born. Every creature, every, every person in this world, God determined... Pre appointed the times of their birth, of their lives, of their moves, and the, even the time of their death. And they're responsible for what we do, by the way. Pre appointed the times and the bones of their dwellings. Where should they dwell? And you know why? So that, listen to this, so that they should seek the Lord. Everybody is born, whatever they are. And the greatest need is to find God. They're not lost. My neighbors, I have talked with them. I want to know whether they're saved or not. Because God didn't put me here just because I have a good house. At all. Not because it's better. Of course, I, my wife and I, we chose the house. But of course, God is leading And I could tell a lot about just talk with neighbors here. And when some of them seem so happy, I begin to talk with them and see how miserable they are. I don't have time for that now. Don't waste your geography. Listen more. So that they should seek the Lord and the hope that they might rope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. You know why my neighbor is by my side here? He has saw all the natural cause why he chose that house. I believe God brought him here. So that in some way or another, he could find God. And God put me here. Has put my neighbors beside me, behind me. And now listen to what he says. In Acts 17, 28. For in him, now it says, or for because of him we live. If you find anyone person alive in this world, they're alive because God is allowing his make them live. Secondly, for in him we live and move. That's beautiful. It has nothing to do with choreography. That's not move like this. There's nothing. Move me in his journeys. Because of him, people journey. Seeking the Lord. And in him have our being. Have our beings. Brothers and sisters, don't waste your geography. And by the way, you are here today, tonight, or this morning here with us. You can tell me, if you ask me, Dr. Medeiros why you're here this morning with us? Because I was invited to preach. That's a natural cause. But the way that God orchestrates all of this, my friend, is simply, I'm here because God brought me here this morning. Brought you here. All of you here. I have several illustrations, but I'm not going to give you, because I'm going to give you the two other points in two minutes. I could tell you, wherever I go, my friends, I know God, I, I have to go to the supermarket. I know why. Because you have to buy food. I go there with my wife. But one thing that we go there, this is a correct answer, but incomplete. And I, I go there all praying, Lord, help me to see people here. Help me to talk with someone that you brought here this morning, whatever it is, so that I can share the good news. Don't waste your geography. Don't waste your time. That's a life worth living. And you see God operating in you. Now, let me just be finished here. Now, the second question is very clear. We know why he left. Because God moved him. And used all these circumstances for Jesus to know. That's my time to be by Capernaum. To fulfill a prophecy. Which were decrees of God. To happen. And he established the means for this to happen. And we are not robots. No. Now, what for? That's my second question. What for did Jesus locate in that area that Isaiah prophesied about 700 years before? And by the way, just a footnote. You read Isaiah? When you have time today, go to Psalm 107 and read Psalm 107. When he used this passage and tells what led people to be in darkness, in the shadow of death, and what God did for them. By the way, this is a prophet of Isaiah, but this is all in Psalm 105. What for? You know what for he'd go there? Listen, the Bible says, so that people dwell in darkness have seen a great light jesus went there so that people are in darkness could be saved that's it to save people god put you in a place do your best as a medical doctor as any office but remember this any profession god gave you that profession god gave you this this moment but please pray that through these people may come to know the light this is what makes our life in this world one living, my friend. Live for Jesus with all the circumstances and all the means that he gives us. That's why he says this. John 1.4 says, in him was life and the life was the light of man. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Do those around you know that light? Have you talked with them? Have you asked them? Have you asked if they have something to pray for? Have you asked if they have a Bible? Whatever it is, do something to know about them. Be concerned with them. And the Lord is going to bless you. So that through you and through your church, many people may come to the saved knowledge of Christ. Don't waste your geography in church in in Portland. Don't waste your geography either. Jesus is very clear. What for? So that people could be saved. So that people could be saved. And by the way, not only saved, but discipled, become worshipers of God, reaching others. Plenty of new churches across the street and around the world. What for for that? Oh, I didn't have time to give you some of the of the illustrations here. Personal accounts. But I'm going to finish just with the last question. The last question was, was this that I gave you. What is the last question? The last question is what did Jesus go about doing in this place? In other words, how he took people out of darkness, out of death, into the light, into the life. How? And that's the answer that you find in verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the king of heaven is at hand." Got it? What did he means? Words. He approached people and began to tell them about him as the king was supposed to come. Who have royal forgiveness. Who will bring them into his realm. By what began to speak to them. This is just the summer of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the one supposed to the king who was supposed to come is here. And that's what we find in the scriptural reading this morning. When you read these particular passages in Isaiah, and then come, says this: for unto us a child was born, the government shall be upon his throne. He's the prince of peace. And his government of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. When you talk about the king of God in the New Testament, talk about God said his son, the king, was supposed to come to give us royal forgiveness, to bring under his dominion through his blood for his glory. Oh, my friend, live under his kingdom, under his ruling, and may the Lord bless each one of us and kids. I hope that you know why you were born where you were and at the time that you were born. Parents read Psalm 139 to your kids. You know what for God put you where you are and why what for God moves you around so that people who are in darkness can see the great light. Everything is secondary in following Christ. My vocation, my vacation, my hobbies, my money, my house, every. By the way, everything is important, but secondary because these are means by which, doubtless, God fulfills a lot of joy in my life, but through whom, through which I can tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't waste your geography. Don't waste your time. And may the Lord bless us. And when you come next week, the Lord willing, I'll continue or the next text about us let us sing the hymn that you have here Lord you have been our dwelling place